Today's episode is brought to you by IHS Markets Upstream Insight. Our team of industry experts analyze the interplay of geopolitical structures, government priorities, corporate strategies, and global markets and technologies to deliver forward-looking solutions that lead to more informed and efficient decisions. These solutions are available via recurring reports, interactive analytics, robust data sets, and bespoke engagements with experts. Learn more at www.ihsmarket.com energy. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host for today's show, Jessica Nelson. On today's episode, Chris DeLucia joins me to discuss the transition toward a lower carbon energy world and what that means for upstream oil and gas players. Chris, thanks for joining me. Great. Thanks, Jessica, for having me. So the world appears to be moving toward a lower carbon energy landscape. How has this transition impacted the strategies of the world's oil and gas operators? Sure, yeah. So the response to the low carbon question really depends on the type of company we're looking at. Um, Broadly speaking, for those upstream oil and gas companies that have opted to engage on this topic, the responses generally involved things like increased disclosure via annual sustainability reports, participation in industry partnerships, things like IPCA, and efforts to improve operational best practices, uh, which includes things like reducing venting and flaring. Um, However, for the independents, low-carbon strategies have not really gone beyond those elements, uh, just given that they compete really as pure-play oil and gas companies, and they don't really have scope for more direct involvement in the low-carbon sector. Um, But for the global integrated oil companies, and with them we're really talking about the majors here, uh, for those companies, it's really a different story. Uh, given that they maintain more diversified portfolios beyond just the upstream segment. Uh, As a result, for this group of companies, there has been more of a strategic element to how these companies think about the low-carbon segment in terms of introducing new businesses into their portfolios. And that's also because this group of companies tends to be more focused on returns as opposed to growth, which means that they need to be more holistic in terms of how they view the energy market. Just stepping back uh, more broadly on, on a more general basis, We've also seen an increased emphasis on natural gas production, particularly outside of the U.S. Now, that partly reflects the fact that uh, many of the discoveries made in recent years have been gas-based, and that includes things in uh, areas like the Eastern Mediterranean and East Africa. Um, However, this shift also reflects the emphasis that these companies are placing on lower carbon sources of production within their portfolios. So which operators are taking the most aggressive steps to this transition? And can you explain a little bit about what they've been doing? We've seen some considerable differentiation among the global integrated companies in terms of their approach to the energy transition. Um, Generally speaking, the European companies within that peer group have been the most aggressive in building up their low carbon portfolios, although some of these companies have been more aggressive than others. Um, One way that many of these companies have increased their presence here is through M&A, and Total has been the most active on this front, spending nearly $5 billion on acquisitions within the low carbon segment since 2010. And that includes things like buying a majority stake in solar manufacturer SunPower, uh, acquiring Saft Group, a battery manufacturing company, and Direct Energy, a power generation uh, and distribution company. Um, Outside of Total, other notable transactions have included BP within the electric vehicle charging and the solar segment, uh, and also Shell, ENI, and Repsol within the low uh, low carbon power distribution segment. Aside from M&A, we've seen companies develop internal capabilities within the low-carbon space as well, and that includes things like Equinor within offshore wind, where the company is really looking to leverage its expertise in offshore oil and gas development. Lastly, these companies are also outlining specific spending targets within the low-carbon segment, where they are dedicating a a growing share of spending. Um, Total recently outlined plans to spend $1 to $2 billion per year through the near term on this segment, 
and that equates to about 10% of their corporate CapEx budget during that time. Uh, Repsol is another company that has outlined pretty material spending plans for the sector, with low-carbon spending expected to account for nearly one-fifth of their near-term CapEx. Um, but for most of the other European companies, we generally see them spending about 3 to 5% of their corporate budgets on the low-carbon segment through the near term. We've seen a bit of a different approach from the U.S.-based majors, which are also choosing to engage in the sector, but uh, in, a, in a different format. So for one, these companies have opted to remain focused on their traditional area of expertise within the oil and gas space, instead choosing to improve the efficiency of these operations and reduce emissions that way. Uh, in addition, the spending that they are doing in the low-carbon space tends to be via more indirect formats. So that includes things like research and development spending and venture capital investments, as opposed to uh, the direct investments in the sector that some of their European peers are making. Do you see more North American operators following the path of the Europeans and making acquisitions in lower carbon energy outside of natural gas? So for now, we really see these companies choosing to remain focused uh, first and foremost on oil and gas, and that partly reflects their internal views around the outlook. So for example, um, if you look at both ExxonMobil and Chevron, uh, they both expect demand to control uh, to continue to grow for liquids beyond 2040. Uh, whereas if you compare that to some of their European peers, um, some of those companies are viewing liquids demand peaking within the next 10 to 20 years. But it also reflects their view that the best way to compete and generate leading returns is to focus on their core strengths, which is really within the oil and gas segment. So for now, we really see the, the North American companies continue to uh, focus on, the, on their, uh, their core businesses. And many people remember BP's Beyond Petroleum strategy from the early 2000s, which was abandoned by 2013. Do you think it's different this time? Do operator investments in lower carbon business have more staying power now? Yeah, that, that's really a, a fair question. Um, but I think, I think it does have, have more staying power uh, this time. And, and that's for a few reasons. Um, first, the developments that we've seen in the past few years mean that some of these technologies already have a place in the current landscape. Uh, as, and that compares with the scenario uh, in the past where those investments may have been longer term in nature. So a lot of that is a function of, of some of the technological and cost improvements that have been made in the low carbon space, uh, which are really helping these businesses gain market share. The other thing is that there is uh, really growing pressure from an array of constituents on these companies to take this transition into account. And this pressure includes um, coming from shareholders. Uh, and for them, these differentiated approaches to low carbon investments is, uh, is really beneficial in the sense that it really gives them greater choices uh, to pursue investments in companies whose strategies are consistent and more aligned with their own outlook. And then lastly, uh, with a few of these companies expecting liquids demand to peak in the next decade or two, uh, again, uh, really um, the view of some of the European based companies, um, there's really significant interest in being proactive ahead of that potential event. So, you know, there are certainly potential developments that could uh, either accelerate or slow down this transition. Uh, but for now, we think that this shift is here to stay. And as you continue to think about this segment, what are the challenges facing these companies? Yeah, so we, we really see challenges for both sets of, of approaches to this transition. Um, on the one hand, a failure to adjust to a changing energy landscape could ultimately lead to diminished returns from investments in oil and gas if demand or commodity prices are ultimately insufficient to justify those investments. But then again, on the other hand, uh, there's always the risk of venturing too far away from these companies' core areas of expertise, as shifting into unfamiliar segments could weigh on returns. The other thing is that this returns question is exacerbated by the fact that a lot of these technologies may be early stage in nature, where the returns are not yet proven. Um, and then there, there's another element here 
where uh, a rapidly transforming energy sector uh, really creates its own level of stranded asset risk. And that's because um, as continued innovations in the low carbon space um, could potentially bypass existing technologies, that can make investments in those earlier technologies uh, obsolete. Chris, I know this is a hot topic. I really appreciate you joining us and sharing your insights today. It's a pleasure. Thanks very much, Jessica. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. To read additional insights from our team of experts, visit our blog at www.ihsmarket.com slash energy blog. This podcast contains information and insights copyrighted by IHS Market. To learn more about IHS Market Energy Solutions, visit ihsmarket.com slash energy. That's ihsmarkit.com forward slash energy.